I'm Logan Bishop from Belmont University. And I'm John Blankenship from Vanderbilt University. You're listening to Higher Ed Social, part of the Connect EDU network. Um, a colleague today do you remember the Seinfeld episode where when somebody sneezed instead of saying God bless you they would say you're so good looking and <laughs> neither of them had any clue what I was talking about you guys I have might, no clue I, I have no you guys clue might what you're not talking either. about exactly so. I mean I didn't watch Seinfeld that's all I've got I was I think I was watching Home Improvement back then. I don't remember. I think um, a lot of people now watch The Office. Like, I right. used to watch Seinfeld. I think they watched Friends before they watched The Office, before they watched right. Seinfeld. Makes sense. Well, that was, it would have gone, I guess, probably Seinfeld first, then Friends, then The Office, probably. Yeah. I think that's that how it That was the went. order in which they were on, yeah. Right. I think the the difference there is that Seinfeld existed at a time before the internet as we know it know it today anyway so you know the office anything that happens on tv now is dissected to within an inch of its life within a second (laughs) facebook and everything else so like i I feel like you everybody knows i feel like people have seen as many office memes as they have office episodes isn't that true right we didn't. We didn't have that. We didn't have Seinfeld gifts. Every think, little thing, and instead of the morning, you know, the morning you get to the office, everybody stands around and talks about the, the right. previous night's episode of whatever. It's on the internet immediately after. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like yeah. anime is the same way. There's a lot of people that use anime memes all the time, but have never watched anime before. Correct. Yes. Actually, I think that's probably the way most people ingest anime is through memes so correct i feel like that most people ingest everything these days is through memes but regardless i'm a big meme guy but i i'm i'm not i don't know much about anime but one of my favorite musical artists sturgill simpson is about to release an album i think maybe this fall that's going to be paired alongside an anime feature film i'm interested to see how that what film is Orcs that? And looks. Um, I don't know the title right off the top look that of up. my head, but it looks interesting. Yeah. Usually, if you can believe it, like there's some really amazing anime films that. What's interesting is that they worked so closely with the artists that they actually wrote the movie to the music a little bit instead of it being the other way around your name is a great example just an amazing movie um actually one of the i think it's the top grossing anime movie of all time um and one of the biggest uh animated movies of all time um uh, like the lion king the current Lion King that was just released is the biggest animated feature ever released. Yet Disney says it's not because it's live action, even though they didn't use a single camera. Right. Yeah. Even though it's <laughs> all of the all of the all of the actors are puppets, and right. there were no actual locations. They did it all virtually. So there you they go. Are not live action. But it's not. It's not animated <laughs> uh, oh disney you should check yep. out the trailer to this sturgill simpson one i was talking about it's called well, sound and it's called sound and fury i think it looks it looks kind of cool but again i don't know anything about anime we'll put it in the show notes we'll do so that people can watch it and you know i'll probably put your name in there too because it's it's so amazing um I actually cried in that movie. Yeah. Anyway. And now it's out there. It's out there. Well, I've said it on the internet, so <laughs> okay. it's already out there. Um, 
and people who've seen it, they may not have had a strong reaction, but it definitely gives you the feels. Like, it is a feels movie. And it's hilarious, and it's serious, and it's great. So, nice. I enjoyed it. Um, anyway, I already hit record, like, a few minutes ago, so... But Chris knows how this works, because he's been on the show I before. Do. I know, I, that, that's that's part of the joy of the higher ed social. And all is. of our wonderful listeners are going to get to hear us talk about anime and Seinfeld. That's right. the that's the beauty of the show. Well, Which yeah. means we somehow lost both the old the older audience who does not care about anime and the younger audience who doesn't care about Seinfeld. <laughs> but to so, the folks for, who think that they know something about Chris from the last episode, let me tell you, things are different. And I'm I'm just going to let Chris go into that. It was. So, uh, because I'm sure everybody listened to the last episode right before listening to this one, uh, I uh, I moved clear across the state. So, uh, as much as I've been doing 20 years in higher ed now, I've been all around New York State, and I am no longer uh, the Stony Brook Twitter guy as I was for so many years on the internet. I finally got fed up with social media and being on round the clock. And got myself a more traditional admissions kind of a gig. I uh, landed at the State University of New York College at Brockport, just outside of Rochester, New York. And I'm the Associate Director of Undergraduate Admissions here. And it's really, really awesome. I It's the kind of thing where I am currently in the middle of a two-week vacation from the office. And I am not on my phone, which I was even when I was on vacation because I was the only person doing social media back in the day. So it's nice to, uh, to not be so glued to everything that happens on campus all the time. Uh, there are times that I miss it. Absolutely. But, uh, that, that freedom is, is a, a beautiful thing. Isn't it? it? Well, you made a point earlier when we started up about anything TV is on social media, the next day, I feel like everything is on social media all the time. Yeah, well, that was it. And and I think when we did, you know, what we did 10 years ago at, at Stony Brook with all the social media stuff, we did it because everybody was doing it and, and it was hip and it was happening. And uh, it, it grew so big so quickly that it just it became really unwieldy for one person to run and then. Uh, when all of the marketers and brand analysts got involved, uh, I think it lost something of it lost the social piece. Social media lost the social piece. It did, uh, and it became about uh, yeah, marketing and branding. Which not you know, hey, marketing and branding, I get it, but uh, it's uh, I, I felt like I personally was losing touch with the students, which was what got me into higher ed in the first place. Mm-hmm. And that's what I have really once again found at Brockport, which is a small liberal arts, co- well, medium-sized liberal arts college, where the focus is on teaching and it's on the undergraduate experience and uh, it's on access and it's on you know building community and and doing all the things that I think when higher ed is at its best, it does really really well and. We're not, you know, you know going to take set the world on fire, and and we're we are who we are. We're a, like I said, a medium sized school, and we're ninety eight percent New York State residents, and that's I think probably who we'll be for the foreseeable future. But I think there's a lot of value, and will always be value in public higher ed, and that's why I do what I do. Yeah, I feel the same way, and I know I know exactly how you feel. Um, I do feel like social media has lost some level of the social, not just for us, but even personally, right? Like my interaction with social for the last, I don't know, two or three years, I have really kind of pulled back personally on social media a lot. And I take that, because I feel like I feel like I, I've got that network fatigue, you know, 
Yeah. Being too connected, being too, seeing what everybody's doing to where it's just so incredibly overwhelming. And, you know, I'm just now starting to get back into the Twitter thing um, after just not being able to do it for a while. And, you know, I'm trying to get into the Instagram thing, but I feel like, and, you know, I don't know if any other people i'm surely other people feel this way but i feel like i lose part of the experience by stopping to take a picture of it now now let me say not just stop and take a picture of it because i still do that it's stop and take a picture of it and then come up with a crafty message because if you don't come up with a crafty message then you know what's a good picture right um and then posting it and then, you know. So and then by the time you've done all that, you've missed the moment that you were in that made you want to take the picture. Is that, is that's that kind what of, I'm saying? Yeah. That's how, that's how I feel a lot of times too. I, I, I have to put myself in check to stay away from it. We just got back from a family vacation in, uh, in Florida in Perdido Key, which is beautiful. I highly recommend it to anybody that's looking for a, destination but i when we got back i noticed that i didn't post a ton of instagram stories or facebook content about the trip and I, you know it, it was weird to see that because i usually do but i consciously made an effort to try to stay off of it while i was out of the office because as soon as you see something that has to do with work or Something yeah. that you're interested in, it's it's you're down a rabbit hole. You know, you're oh, you're right. half hour later, you're still sitting there at your phone. You know, one of the things I have enjoyed doing, and this is something that I did, um, back at the beginning of July, um, I went out with, um, well, there's this whole long story where I, it was Prime Day, and I bought twenty three and Me. And I somehow found my biological family by accident and then, you know, went on a trip with them to the mountains of North Carolina in July. And, you know, I found myself thinking, you know, why am I not taking more pictures of this? Why am I not doing more of this stuff? Because here's this huge life changing thing. Um, And what I ended up doing and I found this far more satisfying was f- like filming everything and then making like a little video, like after it was all over, everyone was in bed and it actually helped me process it and helped me think this, all of this happened. Um, and it was, it was very interesting. And, and that's what I posted to social. Of course, I didn't say anything about the family thing. In fact, this is the first time we even mentioned it on the show. Um, but uh <laughs> Did I know this? Did I miss this? I feel like this should have been bigger. I don't know if you missed it or not, Chris, but I, you're, Logan, since you're since you're going down that road, you have got to share that story sometime because it's. I mean, I know it's very personal to you if you want to share it with with listeners, but it's such a good story. I mean, the That's, tens of listeners that listen to Higher Ed Social. Like. <laughs> well, I think. And I had it's one of my uh, uh, one of my former students just did the same thing. She had been adopted, and she uh, she found her family out in Colorado, and they had this wonderful reunion. And she now has two families, and she's thrilled about the way it's all come together for her. Because I think there's a lot of uh, there's so much baggage that comes into family, and and knowing who you are, and and all of that. And I, I'm thrilled for you, Logan. I'm glad that this seems to have worked out really really well yeah it was it was very interesting um in fact i had no idea i was going to talk but you know we can talk about it a little bit so like essentially what happened was you know people have noticed probably on the show that i've you know kind of explored different asian cultures and you know all kind of me figuring out what i am because i'm adopted and i've always wondered what i am and I did an Ancestry.com test, and it told me that I was Asian. Thanks. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and Irish, um, which it, it, it like narrowed it down to like a town in Ireland. But like the rest of it was like Asia. And the I was like, cool, that, 
that's helpful. There's like three billion people living in all of this area, you know? <laughs> um, but uh, on Prime Day, you know, last year, it was like 50% off 23andMe. And I was like, you know, I went on, I went to their website and they did look at, you know, Asian ethnicity. Um, so I was like, okay, well, let's do it. So test came in. I didn't take it because it, it requires an uncomfortable amount of spit. Let's say that. Um, and you really, you really, you really have to want it. Right. Yes. And, absolutely. And we did ancestry, and it's the same thing. Yes, definitely. You really have to want it. Um, and after doing ancestry and the uncomfortable amount that I had to spit out there, um, I just kind of was like, okay, well, I just got to be in the mood for this. So it actually sat like on the table for a month, and then Marin came and said, "Spit in the damn tube." And I was like, okay, okay, I'll spit in the tube. So I spit in the tube, sent it off, and forgot about it. Um, and then it was last year about or about now last year, um, that, uh, the results came in. Um, they actually came in during one of, um, our, I think mayoral debates or, or a gubernatorial, it was a gubernatorial debate for Tennessee. We were hosting it at Belmont came in and I was like, wow, I I'm busy watching this debate. Um, so right. I'm not going to do it. Uh, uh, and I, I was reminded by a coworker, um, that I did it and then I pulled it up and we were all talking. It was, it was Natalie, uh, John, uh, for, in case you were curious. Um, and I, and, and I was scrolling through and I was like, oh, I'm Filipino. Yay. Surprise. Um, and I'm Irish surprise. Um, and you know, I was just like, that's pretty neat. And I'm like flipping through the, you know, whether I like cilantro or not. In other words, stuff I already know about myself. All those little tests that they do to make it seem cool that you did this and that what you did was worth it. And, and I get a little notification that says, you have DNA relatives. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm sure it'll be like Ancestry. It'll tell me that there's like, you know, a bunch of third and fourth cousins, you know, all this kind of stuff. Like the chances of me actually finding someone... It's pretty low because not, not a lot of people do these tests. So, you know, I'm clicking through all of the agree, agree, agree to this. They, you know, agree that your relatives can see your information, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then, you know, I get to the screen that shows me who my relatives are and it says half sister. And Whoa. I just sit there. And as John knows, whenever I'm talking sciencey stuff, do I shut up? No, I don't shut up. Um, of course, if you folks listening to the podcast probably know that too. Um, well, I shut up for a second and everybody kind of looked at me like, why did you get quiet? And I was like, I have a sister. And everybody was like, well, yeah, you have a sister. And I was like, no, no, no. A, a sister, sister, like a half sister. And they're like, what? And that is how I found out that I had a half sister at work. Um, so I went down, uh, that is sat so my, crazy to hear that it's I went wild. down, sat in my office for like 20 minutes and just stared at my screen, um, wrote out a little message in notes, um, told Marin, uh, Marin right. was like, ah, and I'm like, ah, and I was like, I'm going to send her a message. Please pre -fruit. Well, that's essentially what happened. Like, please pre it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I texted her the message, Marin proofreads it. I send the message. Um, it was totally grammatically incorrect. I don't think either of us, um, were in the mindset of correct grammar at the moment. Um, and yeah, I started messaging her and I got to meet her and, um, uh, last October, like literally the day before High Ed Web, the day before I left for High Ed Web, um, I met her. Um, in person, um, she looks very much like me. And, uh, you know, a few months later I met my biological dad, um, who is her dad. Um, he told me that I had a biological brother on my mom's side. Um, and the, all of this like culminated, uh, the first week of July, I met immediate family. And then the week after, um, 
which you guys may have noticed there were some shows missing there. Um, <laughs> uh, that's because all of this was happening. Um, wow. And uh, yeah, so I ended up meeting um, they uh, my uh, my dad's side of the family ended up having a big like get together where like fifty relatives showed up to welcome me to the family. They they all live in Savannah um, and Charleston. So yeah, that's been life. So now I have one family, two family, three family, four families. So my adopted parents who are my parents and I love them to death. Um, we have Marin's parents who are also very, very close. And now I have my biological dad's family and my um, biological mom's family. And I haven't met my mom yet, um, but uh, I did meet my brother. So that's that's the story. Logan, that's really incredible. That's yeah, just isn't fantastic. it crazy? Are you keeping? You know, are you are are you you know recording this? You know, keeping a, a journal or. Uh, Anything like that, you know, just to make sure that you remember it, everything. Um, you know, no, I'm not. I'm just kind of, I'm kind of winging it. Because um, this is now not going to show up on your time hop next year. So how, <laughs> how are you going to remember any of this? <laughs> how am I going to remember? Well, I've told the story like a thousand times, so that kind of helps. Um, oh, okay. right. Well, not a thousand times, but I've told it to people close and, you know. Um, I have been making a lot of jokes online that people, um, whenever someone um, like posts something about Twenty Three and Me, um, I will uh, I have occasionally um, responded back with, "Yeah, I mean, the worst that could happen is that you know you end up finding a half sister that you didn't know about." <laughs> um, so, <laughs> awesome! It's a great yeah. story. That's a great advertisement for 23 and me yeah yeah and with all the crap that i've had with amazon lately um yeah that was a uh i actually included the story in my email to jeff bezos to get my uh account back and uh it worked so that's good um my so account you... got hacked and i couldn't get it back um and a bunch of other things happened um all of all happening while I was meeting the family, like it was a very stressful week. Um, not 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 just because of the not the family thing, but you don't realize how important your Amazon account is. Yeah, that's. Uh, I was reading a story recently about a guy who got his Apple attack Apple account had been hacked, and or no, his Apple account was closed because some crazy thing happened, and they wouldn't reopen it. And all of a sudden, none of his devices worked because yeah. everything was, you know, we live our whole lives online and everything's attached to everything. Yeah. Well, we talked a lot about Logan. Um, <laughs> it's a story worth sharing. It really it is. is. Sharing. It, it's an interesting story. Um, it's it's kind of a thing that I, that's been going on for about a year now. So, um I've always joked about letting it out on the podcast. So um, I I'll, I'll joke with Marin, you know, I should make a podcast about it. Um, like an actual like season of podcast. Um, but at the same time, like, what do you do after that? Like what be yeah, what, what season two? Really? Yeah. What season two? Like really? Like there's not really a season two. <laughs> But, you know, I like things that continue, you know? I don't like miniseries. <laughs> like um, that, it's, it's never going to fly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, I mean, family is really interesting because, you know, there's so much tied up into family. And it's great that this worked out and that everybody, you know, I could, I could very easily see your parents uh, getting upset. Uh, you know, uh, do you, you about your feelings about the whole thing and being, I don't know, protective in some way or uh, everybody's I, been I, super supportive. So yeah. I've been really lucky. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure there are plenty of stories that don't end as happily, you know, true, very true. Yeah. Family yeah. can be I mean, even, you know, when we moved up here, we moved away from my family who were all down on Long Island 
closer to my wife's family who are all or many of whom are up here in the, the greater Rochester area. But like my dad thought I was abandoning him and I'm like, well, no, I'm not abandoning you. It's, you know, life. We, we you move on and it, it, we will visit and you'll visit. It's, it's not the end of the world. But the families. I mean, it's not can, like you're in a different state or anything. Right. Exactly. Like, but family can be very loaded, you know, and and expectations that all go around family. I've learned a lot of that in the last year or so since being yeah. up here too. Family is family is important, um, and they realize that. I mean, I've lived my entire life like spread out around and away from family. Um, I mean, right after I. Right when I started college, my parents moved to Europe um, and kind of left me. Um, and that was that was stressful. Um, and but I learned that, you know, I probably talked to my mom more when she was in Europe than I did when she was an hour and a half away. Yeah, which is funny how that works. Um, so. They've always lived ever since I've my entire adult life. My parents see usually the kid moves away, but it's, it's the parents that moved away in my case. And now they live in South Carolina. So um, when they're not in Georgia, they actually go back and forth, which is interesting. But um, <laughs> what are the chances of that? Yeah, I know. Right. Aren't parents the ones that are supposed to stay in one place and you're the one that's supposed to move away? Totally weird. Yeah. So what switching back to higher ed mode? Um, yes. So what are some of the, you know, differences between, you know, where you were and where you are now? And, you know, I know there's differences in responsibilities, but um, and we, we talked about how, you know, it's a little freeing because you're not necessarily doing the socials. Um, yep. But what what is it? What is it that you do now that 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 really made you want to make the change and 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 grew you well you grew as a person to do something like this because um, yeah, totally i feel I like think, it's a it's a leap you know yeah it definitely was you know especially you know up and moving the family all the way across the state and all that and we moved uh not because of this job but because of my wife's job my wife got a job at the u of r uh university of rochester and so then when the brockport job opened up it kind of worked out perfectly but to you know I, I think higher ed is uh it's it's been in a weird spot the last couple of years because the debt crisis and uh you know all of the the various slings and arrows from various political constituencies uh and i think i i know a lot of folks uh who have uh, left the the education sector to go into non you know either education adjacent things or, or private enterprise or whatever and I don't think I could ever really do that I, I did give that a lot of thought as to the point where I got frustrated at Stony Brook I said all right do I really need to do this to myself you know what am what am I doing to myself by driving myself crazy uh -huh. oh and my dog is next to me and he found a toy which means he's going to start squeaking in a minute uh -huh. yes yes I know buddy go away um, but, uh, and I completely lost my train of thought. So, um, what, Stony Brook you know, and you were getting frustrated. Did, I'm back. I'm back. What moving to Brockport did was it sort of, uh, rekindled that energy of what higher ed is and is supposed to be, uh, which is students and it's about the students and it's, uh, about making sure that their educational experience is, paramount uh and not that the old place wasn't that because it certainly was and i loved my students there and uh, i had a wonderful experience there but i feel like we're brockport gets at uh the 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 meat of the undergraduate experience really really well uh and I think I missed that. I missed that teaching focus, that um, the the focus on the student experience, because that's what I did with social was the focus on the undergraduate experience. And that's, again, that's what I love about high. That's what I'd miss. I'd missed 
the the student piece. I was in too many meetings. I was done with meetings. I get that feeling. That that's profession wide. I, I I feel like. Yeah. Are you guys still there? Yeah. Hello. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, you. Were, I, I was waiting for you to have that profound thing that you're about to say because there's this pause. <laughs> so my, well, I mentioned my wife got a job at the University of Rochester. It's her first hire at job. She had been in public libraries forever, and uh, one of the first things she said after being at Rochester for a couple of weeks, she says, "How do you deal with all of the meetings?" And I said, "Well, yeah, that's that's what we do. That's we we meet about things." She said, "We sit around a table for an hour and we accomplish nothing." And I said, yeah, I said, that's one of the things that uh, is uh, I'm, I'm not that other industries don't have meetings, but I feel like that's something that higher ed does exceptionally well is we meet and we have committees and not that some of them aren't wonderful, but I feel like we get so caught up in uh, getting everyone's voice heard and getting everyone around the table to have a say in the decision that sometimes things don't get done. And that's uh, that's a challenge. That is is a really good point. I mean, you have to, even if you're not leading a meeting and the person leading the meeting kind of meanders and wanders around, you've somehow got to keep it on course and stay on task. You know, and I, I'm I'm guilty of that myself, but I, this this podcast I, is guilty of it. I mean, well, it is, but this is more <laughs> this is more the space of it when you're at work and you've got, yeah, I know. you know, you walk away from your desk for an hour for a meeting and you come back and you miss forty emails. You know, you're you're behind. I was right. I was just thinking we should change the we should change the motto of the podcast to um, meetings uh, uh, productive meetings that don't accomplish anything. Um, higher ed social um, <laughs> tag on <laughs> it's an allegory for higher ed um, let's get that on a shirt yeah. <laughs> it's too long for a hashtag unfortunately exactly you know one of the things though that I um, that I can say at least where I'm at at least lately and I say lately I say like the last two or three months I don't remember in the last two or three months having a meeting that hasn't been at least somewhat productive. Um, Same. I don't know why. It just feels like lately everybody kind of realized it. And we're all kind of like, okay, if we're not going to, if we're not going to talk about anything and we can accomplish this over email, let's do it over email. Well, let me tell you, Email is like even less productive than meetings. Um, <laughs> um, I would actually prefer to meet because there is a chance that I might be able to convince someone or, or you know, better explain what I'm trying to say uh, and like cut out an hour's worth of email writing. Um, <laughs> so, and I'm not saying we don't have to have any meetings because you still have to have meetings. Yeah, but, and I. That says something, Logan, for the the situation at Belmont. If that whether that's leadership or the the teams that you're on, that they do get it, that you know there needs to be a, a real function and a purpose to the meetings, and you know that was one of the the issues that were it was the whole straw on the camel's back kind of thing for for me at Stony Brook was we had started doing uh, our social media campus-wide team meetings and they were focused you know i said we're going to do this in an hour and we're going to be functional and we're going to talk about abc xyz and we're going to try to accomplish something so i'm not wasting everyone's time because outside of me uh, no one else had social media as a real part of their job responsibility everybody else was just oh i also run the res life twitter account or whatever and so they didn't have the time to screw around and spend an hour talking about crazy things but then when the responsibility for those meetings was given to someone else, they took a different shift and they started to suck. And so uh, that was that you lost that. So mm-hmm. you, you got to meet. I get it. You got to meet, but you got to meet productively. In, indeed. 
I hate non-productive meetings. It's the worst, the worst. I, I think it's probably higher ed profession-wide too. Like, you just don't have time for them anymore. I feel like everybody is so much busier now than they were a few years ago. For I, I don't know what you chalk that up to, but there's just so much more going on now, whether it's in admissions or fundraising or athletics. You know, it's just it's just all the time. Well, I feel like everybody's uh, dealing with budget cuts, right? Everybody's uh, dealing with money issues and folks retire or folks leave and budget lines don't get replaced, but the work doesn't get any less or easier. Uh, And so you still have to accomplish the same kinds of things, but with less staff and less hours in the day. And it, it... just it piles up it absolutely piles up but i'm not saying that there aren't days that you know i spend more time screwing around than i probably should but uh there does i agree that there does seem to be well we're less... not robots no no exactly but again that's what thing i the thing i like about higher ed you know i mean we had a message on the, our staff uh uh group this morning uh, that it was free pizza day on campus uh that doesn't happen in the real world <laughs> exactly exactly no, it doesn't it does not <laughs> i mean in the real world people have beer in their office and they drink it but, but actually that's not true they don't drink it because nobody actually drinks the office beer i've learned that from all my friends who have offices with beer like I don't think anyone actually ever drinks it. Um, I think it just sits there, and it's just there for people to to you know you know. It's a recruitment tool. Yeah, that right? that's what I mean. That's really I remember, what it is. Um, remember, and it may still be a trend. I, I don't know, but any any agency that you would go into and meet with, if you were talking about advertising uh, or social or whatever. You know, there was a ping pong table. There was a kegerator. Right. Uh, there was an outdoor area where they would have like giant size Connect Four. You know, you know things like that. But every single time, and my wife worked at one of these startups that was very much like this. Uh, nobody was ever playing ping pong. Nobody was ever sitting around drinking beer. Nobody was ever hanging out in the open area. Everybody was busy or out working. Yep. And uh, the other thing, too, is, um, you know, the you get as much vacation as you want. Like, we don't, you know, we don't give you a certain set number of vacation days. You can just take vacation when you need to take it. Oh, and yeah. you know what happens when people do? They don't take vacation. Yep. So there you go. Yeah, I think so. I think we're very lucky. Yo, yeah, absolutely. And I think there's something to be said about that sort of office culture because part of it is is building that sort of team atmosphere. Because I've got uh, there there are three of us, four of us on the sort of the, the management team in the office, our director, uh, and then three of us at either the assistant or the associate director level, and then we have ten, eleven, eleven, twelve. Uh, counselors, admissions advisors of, of various stripes. And, you know, we want to make sure that everybody's all pulling in the same direction and admissions can be draining for folks depending on the time of year. And so we started uh, last summer, I started doing Games Fridays where we booked the conference room for an hour and or two hours and anybody who wants to bring in a, a board game or whatever bring your lunch and we'll eat and we'll play and it'll be great. And it lasted about a month and a half. Uh, and then it sort of fell apart because everybody got too busy. And so, oh, we, we were so close to building something there. But <laughs> I keep yeah, saying that's... I'm going to reboot that. You keep I'm saying what? Busy. I keep saying I'm going to reboot that, but uh, life gets in the way. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I've really been purposefully trying to do um, is um, just take time away from work and do something that I've that maybe takes me out of my comfort zone, but it's fun to do. And like axe throwing has like 
become that thing. And yeah, I saw your uh, your that you did yeah. like the one. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I was really like, horrible. Like I was bad. Like I won. So we played for like eight weeks before we got to this tournament. Um, right. So there's a regular season and then a tournament, kind of okay. like, kind of like college basketball. Um, and um, yeah, I was the worst player. I won like three games. Um, and I come in to the tournament, right. And I practiced, um, uh, I came in and I practiced, uh, for a couple weeks before that. And, you know, I, I won third place. Not and bad. Part of that's by surprising people. Um, but, uh, I think a little bit, but, um, yeah, it's been fun. And I'm actually read like, they're starting another like little season, um, next week. And I think I, I, I'm going to join in on that too, just because, you know, it's fun. It's different. Um, it requires, you know, creating a skill, you know? Um, and, and if throwing little hatchets at wooden boards is a skill, um, I guess it would come in handy if there was a zombie apocalypse, um, (laughs) you know, uh, (laughs) um, but yeah, it's 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 interesting stuff, and you know, I think that we all need to find that something, um, and I and I think that's actually helped reinvigorate me being on social media again because I actually want to be social again. <laughs> um, not oh, that oh. I wasn't, but uh, maybe I wasn't a little bit. Um, so yeah, yeah, I th- I think we've tried to do that as much as we can too, and and that was part of the joy of the move was that being that we went to college up in the greater Rochester area, we had a lot of friends up here and we've been able to reconnect with so many people that we had obviously known on for, we've known for a long time. We've been connected on social media and whatnot, but to actually do stuff with people uh, has been so great. Uh, And especially when you get out of a major metropolitan area, like the New York Metro area, everything's a lot closer and in rochester nothing's more than 15 minutes away from anything so if it's like trivia night last night monday night uh we went to trivia night with friends of ours from college or uh we're having the folks over on saturday so like there's so many those real connections that go outside the internet uh i've gained a real appreciation for those that's awesome it's a lot easier to steward those relationships when you're not in a computer or a phone all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, totally, totally. Sometimes I just want to buy a flip phone and get rid of my iPhone. And then I listen to myself say that. And I was like, that's just the dumbest thing I've ever said. That's crazy. I know it is crazy. Like what would I do if I can't Google something? I, I literally don't even know. I don't, I don't even I, know either. You can't I, go to the I, library I, and look it up. Like, well, I don't have time I, for that. <laughs> trying to explain that to our kids. Right? My kids are 13 and 10. And trying to explain that to, stuff like that sometimes to them is weird because it's they're growing up in such a different ecosystem than we are. Now I know that, what my parents and, felt and, like when they didn't have TV. Right. Like – it, yeah, like TV, we didn't have. Oh God, I know, I'm old man Dorso over here, but you know, like it, being able to fa- you know rewind live TV and fast forward, like skip commercials. We didn't skip commercials back in the day, you know. Like you just watched what was on, and that was what it was. But you know, we have to literally take my son's phone or his computer away because he'll just watch Glee all night long even though he's seen the episode 48 times because it's right there in the palm of his hand. Yeah. You know, we used to keep, before the iPhone, my roommate Scott and I, you know, we we skewed toward, we need to look up information all the time as we had journalism backgrounds and we're in news at the time. So we kept an almanac at all times on the table in the living room. So anytime we wanted to look up a fact or a name or anything like that. That was our phone before <laughs> we had the phones. It was just, you know, a regular almanac 
but I, but that's that's what we did. That's that's you know some nerdery, but that's what we did. I don't no, even that, know how that, to explain to a person what an almanac is. You know, what never though? see those anymore. No, I mean they do still exist because my daughter loves them. She she'll get the almanac and she'll just lay in bed and flip through them because she's. Oh, a nerd. that's great! Raising but, that kid right. It points to almanacs because the almanac was my lifeline during Jeopardy prep because <laughs> Jeopardy prep. It, was, it, was, it was in the middle of, of recruitment travel and I'm try, every like I'd show up to a high school visit half an hour early and I just sit in my car and I literally would open the almanac and just start reading stuff. So because I think, you know, like you don't know what you don't know when you're trying to learn everything that you can possibly you're trying to learn everything in the world for uh, for a TV quiz show. Uh, the almanac's the best place to go because it's not like I need to search for a specific thing. It's like, oh, we're going to learn about uh, Bolivia today. Okay, great. Let's do that. Hmm. You know, I've, I've always kind of wondered, has anyone who's ever been on Jeopardy just pulled a Sean Connery? Just, and they and surely they've cut it out. But it's like, <laughs> come on, Trebek. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. Yes. I mean... I mean, I guess it would be less funny now, but uh... true, exactly. <laughs> that's an that's an underappreciated era of Saturday Night Live, right? Totally. Is it? I'm pretty I, sure I it's think, the golden age so. of Saturday Night Live, and I think most people yeah, agree I, with it. True. It's it's so a, that's it's a... so subjective, though. I would I would lean toward the early to mid '90s as as what I would call my golden age with. Farley Adam Sandler, and, uh, Chris Sandler Farley, and... Spade, yeah, those guys. That was just an incredible run. Yeah, but well, Will Ferrell, Will Ferrell, dude, and uh, Jimmy Fallon, and what was Ratio that other Sands. one that also has a show? Ratio um, Sands, that guy. Where is he um, now? No idea. <sighs> just I'm sure we could Google it. Uh, right. <laughs> Only there was some good advice. Better pull out your almanac. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on a second. But that's I think literally SNL true, though. Like, before, if I wanted to know something science, I had to go to the freaking library and check out a book. Yeah, Who's and you got like, time to do that? Because it's not even just like, okay, so I want to learn about uh, quasars or whatever. Like, you had to figure out where the quasar section of the library was. You couldn't just, uh, it's under Q because it's not under Q. You had you know, to understand in, some Dewey Decimal. Right, exactly, which is this crazy system, you know? So, like, it's not even uh, not even that easy. You have to go to the card oh. catalog. Oh, gosh, the card catalog. But to get, to get on the SNL thing, though, I think SNL is like, uh, like I guess, any pop thing, but I'll use music as the reference. Uh, the absolute pinnacle of music uh, are the years from, like, 1991 to 1993. Uh, and I know that that's not necessarily a, the general preferred popular opinion for the pinnacle years of music, but they say the years that you're around 16 years old are to you like that's your formative music years. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. like for me, it's the, the waning years of, of hair metal and the, the, the pop, the, the introduction of grunge and all that kind of stuff. So like that's to me like the greatest music of all time, and I think SNL sort of falls into that too. Like whatever that time, it's probably not sixteen; it's probably a little older, maybe college ish. Like those are going to be like, oh, those are my SNL years. Like, yep, oh um, yeah. Like, and I think that's just what it is, and that's fine. Like you're like, oh, Kristen Wiig, she's terrible, because <laughs> like she's she's a kid, you know. She's not. Well, she's hysterical. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well. To bring it back, got one more question for you. So if there was one thing that you want everyone in higher ed to know about what you do now that's important to the industry, like what is it? Like what, what do, you know, admissions folks um, do that's important that beyond bringing students in, you know, um, what's that profound thing? I think it's, I, and I think I'm going to say it's, it's that, all uh, right, this is going to seem totally hokey, but I'm going to say it anyway. Like we are the lifeblood of the college, and I mean that in the the the. All right, now it's hokey, but still, uh, <laughs> I think what we what we do, uh, like well, if it wasn't for us, you wouldn't have any students. 
But, you know, we have just spent the last uh, couple of months because we've got a lot of new admissions advisors on our staff. And so we have done uh, a lot of outreach to various academic departments. And we bring a group of, of new advisors and we sit down with the environmental sciences department and we talk about what environmental sciences at Brockport is. Because when you are talking with students and families, they've got a million questions. And in a lot of cases, they don't even know what they're supposed to ask. They just know that they're supposed to ask questions. And for a student who's interested in a particular program, uh, I think it, you know admissions folks are seen as the, the sales force of the college. And obviously that's a big piece of it, but there's so much more that goes into what we do in helping students get to uh, get to college. And, and I think it's something that I hammer on a lot when I talk with students is that it's not about getting you in, it's about getting you out. Like we want students to graduate. We don't just want to say, hey, yeah, come to Brockport and then we don't care what happens next. We very much care what happens next. We want to make sure that you have that end goal like it's not just about getting a degree anymore it's a piece of paper everybody's got the piece of paper you want to have some substance to it and you want to make sure that you're you're getting something out of your college education because you're paying a crap ton of money and you want to make sure it's worth it that was profound. It was not. Well put. Well put. Yeah, you sell yourself short there, buddy. That was pretty good. I feel hey. inspired now. There you go. Go to college, Logan. Go to college. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for joining us this week. Yes, this was super fun. Yeah, thanks, yeah. Chris. It was a good talking to you. And yep. thanks for listening to my long story. Um, and <laughs> listeners, thanks for listening to my long story. Um. And also, don't forget to head down to higher-ed.social and get links to the stuff we talked about today. Um, and subscribe to the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at HES Podcast. Send us a tweet. We love talking to you. And don't forget to let us know if you want to be on the show. Higher Ed Social was created by Jackie Vitrano and me, Logan Bishop, and is produced by the amazing Emma Haas and is part of the Connect EDU Network, the first podcast network for higher education. Visit the website connectedu.network and subscribe to some awesome shows no matter where you work on campus. Have a great week.